Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Today on the show, we are going to talk about how early is too early to plant your crop. We are broadcasting today from the Morton studio. If you've got a question for us, just email us, radio at agphd.com. We will get to the Ag PhD mailbag here later in the show. You know, Darren, when we start talking about this, how early is too early, I really look hard at seed treatments. We know that we want to have a good stand. I don't care if it's corn, soybeans, wheat, any crop, but the seed treatment thing is just so enormous. The corn we're going to plant on our farm this year is going to have 33 seed treatments on it. The, the soybeans we're going to plant on our farm is going to have 35 seed treatments on people, it. People don't and, believe that, Brian, when they hear that, they're like, what? No way. Yep. I, I even had a, uh, a major ag chem manufacturer talk to me. He's like, I heard your brother talking about over 30 seed treatments. Yep. How do you even get that on the seed? And I guess what what we're talking about here is not like, hey, three more ounces or four more ounces of 30 products or putting a whole gallon on a bushel or something like that. You can have a lot of different things mixed in there in a small quantity. That's it's it just I guess you have to change your mindset. So it's not, man, I'm going to soak this seed with stuff because that's what people think a lot of times. But the, the thing is, there's so many different biological type products or natural type products that are. Uh, amino acid based or plant growth regulator based or um, bacteria or fungi or I mean there's just a number of different things that we're putting on seed now it's not just your standard hard chemistry insecticide or hard chemistry fungicide products that we're putting on but here's the whole thing when you're going to put that seed out and it's cold you've got to do something different because that seed is under just tremendous stress I mean think about it it, it's it's already going to have a difficult time coming up, and then diseases hit it, insects. Uh, on top of that, just that cold soil, and I one of the one of the terms that absolutely drives me crazy is when people will talk about imbibitional chilling. It's like, come on, the the plant gets a chilling effect no matter what. They'll say, well, if the, the water, the, its first drink of water is cold, guess what? If you're planting in the northern part of the United States relatively early, I don't care what you're doing. The first drink of water is going to be cold. So <laughs> we've got to treat that seed differently or we have to plant later when the weather's warm. I mean, farmers around this area used to plant a month later than we typically do now. Think about that. A month later, just one generation ago, when our dad was farming, and, you know, when he was a young farmer, he was out there planting in the middle of May. Now we're planting in the middle of April. That's an enormous difference. If you look at the average soil temp, now the average soil temp in the middle of April is about 45 degrees if that. The average soil temp in the middle of May, a little over 50, okay, maybe in the low 50s. So that's a big, big difference. And so we would just really highly encourage you, if you get nothing else out of our talk today, that you at least try some things on your farm to get the seed out of the ground faster and give it more of an early 
push and more early protection and then just look at the stand look at the yield that i mean that's what we've done we've been experimenting with this for 25 years now and just every year there there are continued advancements so i mean it's exciting i when i when i think about i'm willing to plant corn and the soil temp is 40 to 45 degrees and i know i will have an almost perfect stand with almost all the plants coming up real close to the same day that's amazing what we can do with technology. Well, there is a lot of cool stuff. And, and you know, yes, we would love to have 60-degree soil temps. That would be awesome. Then our stuff would jump out of the ground even faster. Uh, when you said we're willing to plant, that's different than saying we're ideally looking for 40-degree soil temps. No, right. that's, not the, that's not the case. We'd no. love to have warm soils. Absolutely. We just don't get them in the north. Now, for the guys in the south, there are guys that have corn up right now, Brian, that, that froze and uh, got down in the 28 to 30 degree temps for a little bit of time overnight and then back up and nice and warm during the day. And I, I, I get it. Nice and warm to me is 40 degrees right now, but above freezing, above freezing, let's just say that, above freezing during the day. And, and they're seeing some leaves that are black uh, that died. I get it. That happens. We see that every once in a while with corn here. Ideally, we aren't going to see that. Ideally, that's not going to happen, but it does happen. And the cool thing with corn is that growing point is down below the ground. That's one of the reasons that we want to see you plant at an ideal planting depth of around two inches. If we're down in that inch and a half to two and a half inch zone, uh, and especially if we're down around two inches, we've got that growing point safely away from those cold temperatures, and it's very unusual to see the entire plant die. I know there's a lot of guys in the south that are nervous about this right now, and I think it's important you do some digging and see what's going on, split some plants open, and just make sure that growing point is still okay. Uh, if everything's black and soggy all the way down, well, you get a dead plant, but that's pretty unusual. We normally don't see that, especially like you said, Brian, if we protect that seed with a, a good seed treatment. So you mentioned, yes, we would love to have warmer soil temps. Well, you can simply get warmer soil temps by waiting to plant. So let's just talk about, again, when our dad was young and they were planting the middle of May around here for corn. You know, yeah, the soil temp was warmer and there was less chance of the, the crop's going to come up and, and it's going to hit freezing temps. But we're, we're, what we're finding, and the reason why we're planting earlier is because we get higher yields on average. Plus, you can't plant all your crop in one day. So if you say, I'm going to start the middle of May, well, you're not going to be done until early June. And early June corn, planted compared to early May corn, it's probably 50 bushels less around here. That's a big deal, just simply by planting date. So we want to plant early. But you know, when you start talking about cold temperatures, what impact does that have on that seed overall? It takes a certain number of growing degree units to get the, the plant emerged. And what we're finding with good seed treatments is we're often able to speed the emergence. So the, the stuff we're using on our corn, for example, we can get about 10 GDUs faster emergence. Well, that's 10% faster emergence, roughly. That it's a big deal. So anyway, that's the number one thing that I'm thinking about seed treatments today. We end up talking a lot about corn, but we're going to also talk about soybeans and wheat and other crops. How early is too early to plant on today's show? Stay tuned. Hmm. 
Playing fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like water hemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit battleweeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! When looking for someone to help with your risk management, a key component to look for is patience. Patience to bring you along in the process at your own speed. Patience to learn about your operation. And patience to not only discuss what strategies may be effective for your plan, but why they would be effective. That's the strength of Grain PhD. I'm Darren Hefty. When you're ready to become more engaged in your risk management, Grain PhD can assist you with that process. Visit grainphd.com to learn more. One year it could be moisture stress, another pythium or nematodes. So you need your soybeans to rise ready for whatever the season holds. Now one simple decision provides coverage on four fronts. The Acceleron portfolio, fungicides, insecticides, bioenhancers, and an industry-leading nematicide that strikes where nematodes attack. This season, rise stronger with Acceleron seed treatment products. Learn more at acceleronsas.com slash rise ready. Performance may vary. It's important to use proper PPE when handling treated seed. Your grain bin fans can cost you a lot. High electric bills from running when conditions are not ideal, shrinkage from overdried grain, and spoiled grain all take money out of your pocket. With the Steps GMS app temperature humidity switch, get your bin fans to start making you money. Only run vans when the conditions are right. Eliminate shrink and spoilage in your bins. Deliver grain in top condition at market moisture. When every dollar counts, you need Steps GMS. Contact us today at stepsgms.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Tackling one of our favorite topics in agriculture, how early is too early to plant? Yeah, we all wish we had that perfect answer all the time in 2020 hindsight, because uh, there's been many years where we thought, ah, you know, I think it's going to get better. We should just wait a little bit and then it gets worse and we wish we would have had it all in. But then there's other times where, you know, conditions are pretty good and we start planting and then it turns around and gets worse. And we think, oh, boy, wish we didn't have it in. So, yeah, you don't always have that crystal ball, but you have to make the best decisions you can each season. And we talked about protecting that seed a little bit, but getting the seed placed perfectly is really critical, too. We've got Tony McClelland on with us right now with Case IH. Tony, thanks for joining us. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Doing well. You know, we're, we're talking about planting, and, and there's some guys in the south already that are a little nervous because they got too cold and burned off a couple of leaves on the corn plants. Uh, how important is that seeding depth and seed-to-soil contact in, in order to get a good start? Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical um, to, to, to look for that, you know, fast, fast germination and super-duper important for that uh, uniform emergence to occur. We want to get these plants all up at the same time with, uh, with no stragglers and no, no plants that come up late. You know, Brian was talking earlier, too, that sometimes we get this narrow window to get stuff in the ground if we're shooting for high yields. Uh, what what are you changing now? What's what's coming up on new planters to, to help growers maximize their, their time in these tight windows? Oh, there's so much technology right now. Um, you know, I think uh, when we look at things like, like doing a good job, managing depth control, and maintaining consistent depth across um, changing conditions – 
um, you know, automated downforce systems like like on the case side Shirley Riser, we use Precision Planting's Delta Force system, which not only can add additional weight, but it can remove weight so that we carry the consistent weight on the gauge wheels all the time. And and, and that could be if it's in a if the, the row unit happens to be in a in a hard clay or a or a soft sandy soil. Um, and, and the other thing that kind of ties into I think part of the discussion is being timeliness. And uh, and, and one of the ways to be timely and, and make use of your good weather or your good soil conditions is, is speed. And, um, you know, th- that could be the actual speed of planting or how efficient you make use of your, of your time, uh, you know, getting the planter prepared for that field. And, and systems like Delta Force is also critical for, uh, for maintaining depth at higher speeds as well. I, I, I speak to a lot of producers about the effect of a boat. As a boat goes faster in the water, um, you know, what does it do? It, it, it planes out, the water pushes the hull up out of the water. And, and, and the same effect is trying to happen to our disc openers. And we absolutely don't want that to happen because that would screw up our depth control. So having a system that can respond very quickly and very accurately is, is just really important to establishing that, um, that uniform depth for uniform emergence. How about tracks on planters? Is that a trend that we're going to see continue mm-hmm. or, or is it something that's going to be, remain to be fairly small? I think I think that is a trend that is that is definitely uh, of a lot of interest to folks. You know, there's economics of tracks because they do cost more. There, there, it's a higher cost to own and a higher cost to maintain. But similar to what we've seen in tractors, it, it definitely is on the up and up. And um, and I think there's a real benefit to um, to uh, get, you know getting that planter to float better, especially in some of those less than ideal conditions, and trying to minimize the effect of surface compaction. Or, or rutting if it's soft, and uh, and really taking care of those rows that are close to where the, the where the wheel paths or the track paths would be. Tony, one of the most common questions we've gotten over this winter has been, well, hey, I didn't get my tillage done, I didn't get my seed bed prepped, and now we may have this tight window to get stuff in the ground in the spring. What's your recommendation to farmers in that situation? I think, uh, well, you know, obviously coming into the planting season, um, if, if, if you've been wondering uh, if it's a good investment to either upgrade your planter or, or look at a different planter with some additional technologies which could help that situation, you know, there, there still is time. Um, <clears throat> but I think, I think uh, I, it should, now is such a good time to get your planter out of the shed, pull it into the shop, or out in the yard if it's a nice day and just really go through it with a fine tooth comb and make sure that everything is uh, is optimal. You know, measure your disc openers, check all the bearings, check your closing systems, just make sure that your planter is tight. In addition to, you know, the seed meters and, and going through um, going through everything. If, if you can run your planter statically, it's not a bad idea to run some seed through it to make sure that all systems are, are, are go. But, but really take a close look at the ground engaging components to make sure that everything is uh is tight. You're absolutely right. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get things just perfect going into this spring. It's such an important spring forest planting and, and there's so many little things on that planter. Like you had mentioned Delta Force to begin with that we've just really liked on our planter being able to not only press down more when we need to, but also lift, like you say, when we get into those light light sandy spots out in the field. It's made such a difference for us keeping that seed in the ground just at the right spot. I've been talking with Tony McClelland here with Case IH. And Tony, as planting approaches, we'll be talking to you again soon. Great. Thanks, Darren. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. You bet.
got Mike down in Alabama with us right now. Mike, how's it going today? Oh, Darren, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. How are you today? <laughs> we're, we're doing well. You guys have had some cold temperatures, too, and we're talking about how early is too early to plant. What What's your gauge? Do you look at the calendar? Do you look at soil temps? Do you look at the weather forecast? What What's your favorite way to, to make the judgment? Let me start with a little disclaimer. I know a lot better than I do sometimes. <laughs> I used to be the king of of planting too early because <laughs> when I was when I was running smaller equipment and one planter, we had a lot of acres, and yeah. as soon as it crusted over and I saw fifty degrees, I was out there dragging a planter through the mud. It it got me across ground. It got me started, but never did that earliest planted corn compare to the corn that was planted right. We've yeah. we've gotten bigger equipment, uh, running two different planters. And we have irrigation, so I'm not trying to run in front of the moisture. And if we'll let that, that soil dry up to a uniform consistency where I'm not going through potholes if I don't have to, and I've got a consistent 50, 55 degree soil temperature midday, then I'm off to the races. And that, that you, you never make up for, for that little bit of energy you steal from that seed trying to get it out of the cold ground. Yeah, doing it wrong definitely hurts you. There's no doubt about that. And I, I think you hit one other point there, too. We've seen so many farmers that have that have upgraded, so to speak, and got bigger planters, and they can do it a little bit faster. So giving it a little bit of time, whether that means uh, making one more pass through the field to get the seed bed just right or giving it an extra day to dry out, that, that can make a huge difference. I agree. It does. And, you know, the... It's in, our input costs have increased so much. We've got so much in a corn crop that you can't you can't miss any of the details. And we're primarily no-till in a stale seed bed that we burn down early. But depending on the vegetation that's still left out there and, and what that cover looks like, we've got to wait for that thing to get to get right. And there's there's going to be a little hilltop that'll be right, and, and we might try to cheat just a little and find the driest field and get started to make sure we've got all those kinks. Absolutely, out. we the, we would do the same thing. Right, yeah, <laughs> when it's right, we can run and run hard because it's it's a short window between too cold and wet and too warm and dry, and and we need to hit that window. We're just, we need to hit it hard. We were just talking with Tony McClelland with Case, and he just recommended getting that planter all set, making sure all those little things are working fine. And I think the best way to do that, like you say, is find that dry piece of dirt that you can run it in a little bit. And on a day where, hey, I'm not worried about acres today, I just want to make sure I got everything set right. So when we can go, we can go. You can you can spend hours in the shop just trying to tinker and get everything right and look at it and and say, I've got it ready. I've got it ready. I got all the stuff talking. All the monitors working right all the units working right but until you till you put it in the ground and you cover up some seed with it you're not ever sure just just that that in the back of your mind you're wondering did i miss something is one of those units just a little off or something but once you can once you can put seed in the ground dig it back out and see that it's where you plan on putting it and it's covered right with the right pressure not sealed in there not mashed in and every seed's where it's supposed to be Yep, totally agree. Uh, Mike down in Alabama. Mike, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Looking forward to those nice warm southern winds blowing up our way, bringing us some good warm spring weather because planting's right around the corner. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Darren. Talking about how early is too early to plant on today's program. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
In farming, there's a lot of variables out of our control. Don't let fertility be one of them. Let the experts at AgroLiquid move you closer to your bullseye. It's true, AgroLiquid fertilizers are formulated to keep nutrients available to your crop, and they have unmatched compatibility with other nutrients and crop protection products, which makes application more efficient than ever. But we also have the best people in the field ready to talk about your operation, your goals. Go to agroliquid.com to move you closer to your target. With the success of the Case IH Tiger Quad Track and Magnum Road Track tractors, it's no secret why Case IH is the leader of the track. So it wasn't surprising when the competition started imitating us, because Case IH offered the first five axle design to give you more power to the ground with less berming and compaction, all to help you be more productive. Still, we're flattered. In fact, if we weren't already red, we'd be blushing. To learn more, visit caseih.com slash tracks. High-yield corn growers know that feeding the crop and soil are keys to maximizing yield potential. Nutex EDA and Reverb are specifically formulated to help manage limiting factors associated with today's farming conditions. Nutex EDA works within the plant to support nutrient mobility and utilization. Reverb focuses on the soil, providing beneficial trace elements which help condition the root zone for optimal microbial activity. Low use rates and superb tank mix compatibility make Nutex EDA and Reverb no-brainers in the high-yield grower toolbox. In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success. Like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, and uh, maybe back up in the north, we've got Ralph from New York. Or Ralph, are you still down in Florida? I saw you down at Commodity Classic. <laughs> yep, I got back Saturday night, Darren. So I don't know why. Just missed the it's snow that much. <laughs> well, we haven't got much snow, but it's it's like thirty-two degrees today, and the wind's blowing forty miles an hour. It just, it, you know, Florida was 80 degrees, and it was nice. And yeah. This is miserable. So, it was. But, but, you know, now it totally a, changes our perspective, doesn't it? Because we're talking about how early is too early to plan. We won't see any of that 80-degree weather for quite some time. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure we're going to see any through all May, what the long-term weather forecasts are. It's just cool and, and wet up here in this area. So tough, tough, tough spring, maybe. 
So what do you do in that case when when uh, it looks like a pretty nasty forecast and you know your highest yields always come if you can get that crop in in late April or, or sometime in early May? Uh, do you wait? <laughs> yep, you wait. <laughs> you, you, know, you get everything ready. You make sure the fertilizer's here, the seed's here, the tenders are hooked up to pickup trucks. You know, everything sits ready to go, but, you know, you don't. At least we don't go out there when it's too muddy or too cold or too wet because it, it'll bite you. You know, we've replanted here before, and that, that corn and soybeans, it doesn't ever yield as well as a first planting. If you can get it in, get it up quick. So it's uh, just just got to wait. Just be ready and wait. So so have you done like, like we have on our farm? You've upgraded equipment, and now you can stick the whole crop in the ground in a week or two? Or, or how long does it take you if conditions are good? Darren, we can usually plant it a lot quicker than what our ground gets ready here. We're a heavy clay soil, and it just doesn't dry out. And uh, you sort of you find your field, you plant that field, and then you try to ride around a pickup truck and find another field that might be ready. And you know, you, you, we can do it really quick. It, that's not a problem. Corn and soybeans, we have a separate planter for each one of them, so we can plant both at the same time, or or we can switch them both over and do one crop. If we have certain fields that are ready, we, we've done that before, switched them. We can't put starter fertilizer down with a soybean planter, but other than that, we can we can stick a lot of crop in really fast. Do you do anything different when it's when it's cold or those first few fields that you plant? Or, I mean, are you adding in the extra in? Are you throw an insecticide in there or anything else with that starter? Uh, we we don't do that, but we are changing the planter. The, the corn planter is in the shop right now. They're putting some tanks on it, so we can put. We've been putting a infro starter with them, and now we're going to put one at two by two also, so we awesome. can get those plants when they start coming. We can keep feeding them, and they're they're going to grow quicker and stay healthier. But you know, other than that, we aren't changing much. We we don't change our program a whole lot, other than something like this. Yeah, yeah, that's it, it throws a whole new monkey wrench and everything because now instead of having one tender hauling liquid fertilizer the field, we're going to use two different kinds of fertilizer. So there's got to be two two tanks sitting there, and it just throws a whole new monkey wrench into the workings. You know, farming's tough. You know, we don't we can't seem to do the same thing two years in a row exactly. You always <laughs> got to make some adjustments because you think you can do better. Well, we but, never uh, get the same weather either, so it might be a super true. warm spring. They might have this long term forecast all wrong, and and here oh. we go, but. But yeah, we got to yep. prepare That's for the worst. Yep, and you got to be ready to go because you never know. You might get an opening in two or three days in there, and if you don't plant, and you're, and you know, you you've missed an opportunity there because yield loss is yield loss. So just be ready. You know, you say you got the planter uh, in the shop and you're working on things. That's that's one of the nice things uh, in the north. A lot of people ask uh, ask us for our farm too. You know, what do you do over the winter? And it's like, man, a lot of guys have figured it out. We got to have somewhere inside to go with equipment. It's it's a lot different up here. You got to prepare for that. Yeah, we have a 200 by 80 warehouse, and we took the front half of that, and made it into a shop about 15 years ago. So we can we can stage equipment in the back get it ready to bring it in we bring something in get it ready and then we move it out to another building so but you've got to keep things in buildings otherwise you'll find it snowed in or iced in you can't move something on a piece of ground then so no and like you say when it's when it's freezing out and the wind is blowing uh this this is your shot to get something done yeah exactly so yep and we we've been putting in a lot of tile so this winter even though as bad as conditions were we put tile in pretty near all winter long so 
you know, that's the other thing. We hope we can improve the ground so we can plant a little early when the conditions get right in the spring. So. Yeah, that'll sure make a difference. It, it has for our farm yeah. as well. Hey, Ralph, uh, good to yeah. talk to you again. Uh, glad you got to get a little bit of break from that cold weather, but good luck heading into this planting season. Okay, same to you guys. Hope everybody does well. Yeah, thanks. Got Brett with us right now in Ohio. Brett, uh, how are conditions your way? Wet, wet, wet. Uh, we've been uh, wet since uh, actually October, and it just keeps, keeps on coming. It's uh, been kind of a miserable winter, uh, a lot of uh, snow and sleet and things like that, but it just didn't want to dry up. No, that makes it a challenge, and then it seems like when it does, it all happens in a hurry too, and uh, you gotta you got to be ready for that. That's right. That's what uh, we've been working on is keeping, uh, getting planters ready and things like that and getting ready for spring. Now, will you guys plant corn and beans at the same time? Is there a lot of that that happens in your area? Actually, I like to plant beans before I plant corn. Um, we found it through studies and through on our own farm that uh, early planted beans is what's uh, made the yield. So, in fact, I'd rather plant beans before I plant corn. I think they're more forgiving. I'm so glad you said that, Brett, because we're, we're talking about how early is too early to plant. And when it comes to soybeans, a lot of guys are nervous about that. And, you know, are you planting them in no-till? Are you planting them in conventional till? What, what kind of situation you put those beans in? No, we're all no-till. So uh, we do have a little bit of a turbo-till ground, but mostly, you know, light vertical tillage. But it's almost all no-till. Uh, you know, you... It's more seed treatment and making sure that the ground's right. Uh, we look at the temperature, too, but it's more that uh, we've got a great seed bed that we're putting it into in time. What What have you done with your planter to, to ensure you get that seed bed just right and, and seed placement just right? Well, we've got uh, Martin row cleaners that are on uh, uh, that are floating and also have uh, the air air to lift or put them down uh, it's made a lot of difference uh, in making sure that we get that uh, trash cleaned off for that planter to make a smooth pass uh, it's also helped with uh, getting a good ride, good uh, uh, ride with that planter too with with the uh, row cleaners now it, it appears we're getting some soybean sales, and that gets everybody excited. Is it going to change what you're doing? Were you looking at changing that rotation at all this year? Uh, we changed a little bit, but that was just uh, we changed that last fall. Actually, uh, we're going to have a little more corn than what we do beans, but we plant a lot more wheat than what we normally do. We had a good opportunity to sell some six-dollar wheat, so we planted a lot more wheat because last year. Uh, the wheat we planted, we had, uh, I think we averaged 97 bushel. Wow. On, uh, yeah, we've been high intensity on, on the wheat and still took some 45 to 50 bushel beans off of them. So that's better than corn any day of the week. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I like that rotation. So what's your secret on the wheat? What What's made the big difference there? Uh, we're, uh, we cover the wheat about five times, uh, three times with fertilizer. Uh, we also look at uh, very close to the uh, um, diseases on wheat and timing. Timing has made all the difference in the world to make sure that we're getting 
the fungicide's on at exactly the right time, and you only got about a three to four day window of doing that. So sometimes it's not just the the sprayer; it takes an airplane to do it. We'd rather do it with a sprayer because we can get more uh, get deeper into the density of that crop. But uh, a lot of lot of look, a lot of scouting and making sure we have enough tillers and uh, getting the right fertilizer on at the right time. Yeah, it's the the timing is such a key. That's the difference between a good crop and a great crop for sure. I've been talking with Brett here in Ohio about how early is too early to plant, and uh, sounds like your conditions are wet like about everybody else we talk to seems to be facing. It's going to be a fun spring for sure. But thanks for joining us today, Brett. Really appreciate it. Nice talking to you. Thank you. Nice talking to you talking about how early is too early to plant and wet soil certainly can complicate things. I know we want to get that crop in, but if we don't get it in right the first time, we just don't get the yield. We just don't get the performance and we end up having to go back and fight it again. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that coming up right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. No secrets here, we all know, regardless of the markets, balanced crop nutrition pays. Agro-liquid fertilizers have the research, technology, and products you need to grow a great crop. We also have an outstanding team of field agronomists ready to help you determine the best use of your fertilizer dollar. Agro-liquid can help you maximize your yield potential effectively and economically. Visit agroliquid.com to find a dealer near you. Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and buy two, save three are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at mortonbuildings.com. 
Want to cut production costs without losing yield? The Soil Warrior can reduce trips across the field, optimize nutrient placement, and improve soil health. So you can lower production costs without losing yield. See what makes the Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. We started utilizing the dual react system this year. You can adjust your speed and it automatically adjusts your sprayer tips. So you can slow down and you aren't building up huge droplets or you can speed up and you're not throwing a mist that's drifting. Hypro, helping you spray better. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We are broadcasting today from the Morton studio. If you've got a question for us, just email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a couple minutes. Before we do, just to wrap up our discussion on the early planting, whether we're talking corn, soybeans, wheat, just about any crop, the number one thing for me is seed treatment. But a very close second, or maybe a tie for first, is you want to have a good cold germination score. Not a regular germination score, but a good cold germination score. So, you know, the regular germ, that's all fine if the soil temp is 70 degrees. But what we care about is what happens if the soil is cold when you plant? Or let me throw this out to you as well. A couple years ago, for example, we planted almost 100% of our corn, then got a foot of snow on it. Our soil temp dropped down to the, the upper 30s. It was 50 degrees when we planted. The forecast did look good, but then the forecast changed and we got a foot of snow on it. So if you don't have good seed treatment and you don't have good cold a good cold germination score, anything can happen out there and we can't have anything happen. We want that co- that corn seed, that soybean seed, that wheat seed, any crop you're planting to come up uniformly and relatively quickly. So again, I'm looking at the seed treatment and I'm looking at the cold germ scores. Those are the most important things for me. On the seed treatment side, Make sure that you're getting multiple fungicides. That's that's kind of the standard now, multiple fungicides, so you have good broad-spectrum activity. And then on top of that, take a look at whatever insecticide you're using. Predominantly, it's just one insecticide family. It's that poncho, gaucho, cruiser, the neonics. And then consider the biologicals. So, yes, in soybeans, we would absolutely suggest using inoculant, and for any legume crop, pretty much, use inoculant. But on top of that, other biologicals. So, for years, we talked about quick roots. Really like that combination of a beneficial bacteria and fungi. Uh, anymore, we've moved on to some other products that have even more beneficial microbes in there. So we've talked about, you've probably heard us talk about NutriCycle and Heat Shield, and now we're experimenting with Decomp and MicroCycle. There are other products that we are looking at now. So I just encourage you try some things out in your farm, this whole biological realm, or as we like to term it, natural products. These natural products are really taking off because the big companies are investing billions of dollars in research into those things. So it's exciting. Now, on top of that, if you have corn and you want to plant early, we also strongly encourage you to consider a little bit of inferro fertilizer, inferro insecticide, and inferro fungicide when planting real early just to give yourself some extra protection there and extra chance for a good early boost. So even like that inferro fertilizer thing, I talked to a lot of farmers, especially some of the high-yield farmers now, they've taken the inferro fertilizer out 
I'm not a believer in taking it out. I am a huge believer in keeping the rate low using a low salt product and putting water with it to help safen it even more and give you a more even spread in that furrow. The reason why people get concerned about fertilizer in furrow is just because of the crop safety. If you get too much, if you get too much salt, if it's placed incorrectly, I mean, you can absolutely have problems. And you know what I tell people all the time is I don't mind spending some money on my crop as long as it's a good investment. But the last thing I want to do is spend money on my crop and then that actually hurts my crop. And we see that from time to time with infrared fertilizers. You've got to keep the rate low, use a low salt product, and put a little water with it. And then you're in much better shape. But you think about it in a cold soil. Is the soil's fertility highly available right away for your young crop? In many cases, that answer, unfortunately, is no. The nutrients just are not available because the weather is so cold. So having at least a little something there can really help out. We have found that that does absolutely increase your emergent or improve your emergence and it can increase your early vigor. And so usually what that means is your crop advances more early on and we typically see a drier crop then in the fall. So in other words, it starts off just a little bit ahead and then it stays ahead through the whole season. That's what we're after when we've got those cold soils. The last thing that I'm going to say and I've already said twice now, this might be the most important thing. <laughs> Before you can even go out there and plant, we just really encourage you, don't mud it in. I realize if you're down to the last few days you can plant the crop, you go, all right, I'm either going to not plant or I'm going to mud it in. Okay, unfortunately, as farmers, we don't live in a perfect world, and sometimes we're faced with that. But where I'm going with this is, if it is, let's say, for us, our early plant date is April 10th. That's first date crop insurance will cover us. So if I'm out there on April 10th, the soil better be fit. I don't want to be mudding it in right away. So there are a lot of years where, you know, we talk, let's, let me put it this way. We talk all the time about, boy, I'd love to plant my corn early. I want to plant it even when the soil temp's cold. I don't care. I just want to get it in the ground. That's great to say, but very seldomly does it even happen because on April 10th, most years, I the ground is too muddy and I can't plant where we farm in South Dakota. And we're in one of the driest areas in the country that plant corn and soybeans consistently. So if it's that bad for me, that means it's probably that bad for just about everybody else out there. And that's part of the reason why we talk so much about early planting, because we only usually have a handful of days to plant in, during our ideal window, only a handful. Usually, Mother Nature is very much against us, so that's why we've got to be prepared on that early side. Now, once it gets later, then yes, I'm not quite as concerned about the seed treatments and the cold germ and, and you know, infurrow fungicide and all these kind of things. I, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't have as much impact, but definitely on your first acres that you want to get in early, that's what you got to keep in mind. So anyway, those are the things that I would certainly look at if I was you. Uh, just as an agronomist, I would love to have that soil warm. As a farmer, I'd love to have that soil warm, but it's probably not going to happen if you farm more than about one or two fields. Um, it, it's, it, it's just really tough to hit an ideal window of both date and temperature. 
Yep, it's certainly not easy, and uh, we'll, we'll see challenges around the country here, too. We've got some questions coming into the Ag PhD mailbag. Let's dive into that. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Got one from Kevin here, and he doesn't say what state he's from, but uh, he says, I've got some questions for you on in-furrow seed treatment in my planter box. I'm considering treating seed corn in the box this season with a combination of quick roots and amplified D. Do you foresee any possible germination issues to seed or other issues to plant health? This would be the only seed furrow or seed in furrow thing that I'm doing. Uh, well, Kevin, first of all, uh, both those products we believe are, are safe to the seed. We've used Quick Ritz for for many many years, and and Amplified D's been out for a long time too. Uh, Quick Ritz is beneficial bacteria and fungi. Uh, we, we've seen good results with that. Amplified D's got some talc in it and some micros and phosphorus, I believe. Uh, and I don't see anything wrong with that either. So I'm fine I, with using either of those. Well, now, wait, if we've wait. got cold soil temps, though, I don't think either one of us necessarily helps us address some of those kinds of issues. I guess other than uh, maybe some of that plant-available phosphorus in the Amplified D, perhaps. But still, when we're talking about fungicide and insecticide, one of the arguments Brian was, was making a little earlier in the show is there's just not enough in a standard seed treatment to protect seed in cold soils. Okay, well, all right, you got a couple of things there. First of all, in a standard seed treatment, I, I have to disagree with you on that, Darren, because my point here is what is a standard seed treatment? One company's stand, one seed company's standard seed treatment is completely different than another company's. So there are some company's standard seed treatments that I do believe are ad- adequate, but many others that are not. On this Amplified D, I'm not saying Amplified D is bad, okay? So please don't misunderstand that. But what I am saying is I do get a little bit concerned about putting nutrients on seed because we have hurt seed germination before by putting nutrients on seed. I haven't used Amplified D. Maybe Amplified D is fantastic and and it's perfectly safe to the seed. But I do get concerned about putting nutrients on seed. We have found that in the past to cause germination issues. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree a little bit. I, I quick roots, no problem at all. In fact, that should help. It could help germination. But Amplify D, I'm a little worried. It's probably okay, but test it on a small scale first. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Think about a quarter inch of rain. That's all it takes to activate Armazon Pro herbicide in your corn and protect against weeds. Now think about a full inch of rain the amount most other herbicides require for activation. How long will you have to wait to get that? The weeds hope you'll choose another herbicide. Your corn hopes you choose Armazon Pro Herbicide. Pick a winner. Talk to your BASF rep about Armazon Pro Herbicide today. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Are you frustrated with white mold showing up year after year in your soybeans? If you have tried fungicide applications and are still losing yield to white mold, now is the time to ask your seed dealer about Heads Up Plant Protectant. Heads Up is the first EPA-registered seed treatment for the prevention of white mold in soybeans and pulse crops. The first line of defense on your farm against white mold now starts with the right seed treatment package. Locate a Heads Up dealer near you by visiting headsupst.com today. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Waterhemp? If you use Fierce Herbicide in your soybean field, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Waterhemp and Palmer Amaranth. 
Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Using NSERV Nitrogen Stabilizer with Fall Fertilizer Applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. Field trials in Iowa show NSERV delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERV is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. One year it could be moisture stress, another pythium or nematodes, so you need your soybeans to rise ready for whatever the season holds. Now one simple decision provides coverage on four fronts. The Acceleron portfolio, fungicides, insecticides, bioenhancers, and an industry-leading nematicide that strikes where nematodes attack. This season, rise stronger with Acceleron seed treatment products. Learn more at acceleronsas.com slash riseready. Performance may vary. It's important to use proper PPE when handling treated seed. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Vellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your questions at this point. Got an email from Scott, and he said, I'm just curious, I'm seeing some resistance to ethanol and more dealers marketing ethanol-free gas at gas stations, but I'm seeing more consumer acceptance for biodiesel. For some reason, biodiesel, the consumers like, and ethanol, they're nervous about at this point. Uh, just curious your thoughts on that, and if we're going to see a biodiesel push at the ag phd field day hey thanks scott really appreciate that yeah i i i don't know what we, we love both we love yes. both by the way we use biodiesel in our trucks and and uh, equipment here and it's been great we we've loved that yeah i i don't know what the numbers are in terms of public acceptance for ethanol or biodiesel. You know, one of my thoughts, though, would be on biodiesel, how many regular American consumers are using diesel? Not many, comparatively. Everybody, it it feels like almost everybody has a gasoline-powered vehicle, but not many have a diesel-powered vehicle. Who has diesel-powered vehicles? Businesses uh, and s- both large and small, and then also a lot of farmers. So, I mean, it would only make sense to me that there would be more biodiesel acceptance because more people are going to learn about it. When, when you're, even as a business, you're going to learn about, okay, what, what's the best thing that I can do out there? And, you know, then money obviously enters into that picture and everything else. So I, I don't know. I just, like Darren said, we, we certainly support both. They're both renewable fuels and I, 
I, I guess we're going to continue talking about both and well, the advantages. And, and here's of both. the thing, too. Scott's in southwest Idaho. And you think about that. Where Where is a lot of the corn that's grown that's used for ethanol? It's well, in not the Midwest. There. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there is corn grown in Idaho. No question about that. A lot of it gets fed up locally, too, with the, with the livestock there. So, anyway, thanks a lot, Scott. Really appreciate the question. Uh, got a tiling question from Ray. He said, I'm considering installing drain tile on my small farm to fix a standing water issue. Does the tiling need to be covered in gravel? I've seen some with gravel, but the large-scale stuff doesn't appear to use gravel. What's best? Well, as a general statement, no, you don't need gravel, but I don't know his exact situation. So could you cover it with gravel? Yes, you you certainly could. It's just that's a lot of work and a lot more cost. So the tile we put in on our farm, we have not put any gravel on anything other than maybe just a couple of there there may it might have been a couple of spots where we were digging something in some weird deal uh but i mean basically no we 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 don't feel like we need to in our soil types and it works just fine so i guess what i'd like to see send us a soil test and then we could give you a much better idea Thanks for the question. Uh, I got one from Tim in Iowa. He said, I was listening to your Cover Crops radio program on Friday, and we so frequently hear people talk about the benefits to the soil. The real benefit to me would be if there was a discernible economic benefit in terms of reduced fertilizer go. cost, increased yield, etc. Can you guys talk about that just a little bit? <laughs> hey, you know, that's yep. an interesting point, Tim. And when Brian and I were over in um, Denmark, they were talking about how the government limits how much nitrogen they can apply. And they were utilizing some legumes as cover crops to leave more nitrogen and seeing a noticeable impact on their wheat yields. Now, I don't hear many cover crop proponents talking about how much nitrogen is left. And I think it would be neat if we did some measurements on that to see, okay, what do we really leave behind? Because like, for example, with soybeans, people will say there's a nitrogen credit and we'll talk about how there isn't one because oh, oh, oh. sometimes we sample and there's no nitrogen left. Oh, yeah, but Darren, you're not, that, that's a whole different deal because with a cover crop. Really? We use soybeans as cover crop in some no, we cases. We, we definitely have soybeans well, in Well, okay, mix. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we will use them as a cover crop, but does it go to seed? That's no, my point. No, but how early do they start producing that, nodules? Yeah, they, Very well, they, early. Yes, they start right away. But here's my point, Darren. You're you're, you're looking at this two different two different ways. If you take it as a full oh, season I see, crop, I see what you're saying. Because, now it's because pulled the nitrogen okay. out of the soil. Okay, good point. So, good point. So, yeah, I, I mean, there is no not there's no guaranteed nitrogen left in the season after a full season crop because the nitrogen okay. went into the plant. So That's for, why we talk about green manure sometimes that, okay, if you get it right at the peak before it starts robbing everything out of the, the root system, then that's the best time to kill it so off. So you would if recommend you want to Tim, nitrogen. if he's planting the cover crops, just do well, some soil sampling, seeing see what's left. Do some strips, do some no. soil sampling in there, see what, what you're leaving in the ground, see if there is a discernible benefit that way. No, that's not what I would and recommend. you can see he what can kind of yield that. you get over those spots. <laughs> okay, he could do that. He's just asking, on average, are people seeing yield gains? I would. We've, we've done many cover crop shows here on the radio and interviewed people from around the country. I would say it's probably 25% will say, yep, there's a little bit of yield gain. Most people say no in the short term. But the, the whole thing with the cover crops is, for most people, it's more of a long-term play hey, I've reduced erosion. I'm trying to increase soil organic matter. I am also, the the benefit for some of the people is I'm sequestering some of the nutrients. I'm, I'm pulling them in so they don't leach away like with nitrogen, for example. So 
I, I, you know, it just depends on your situation, what you're really after here. So if I am, let's, let's just say I'm a corn and soybean farmer in the Midwest. Can I raise cover crops and that's going to help my next year's corn and soybean yield? The odds are slim in the short term. In the long term, again, I mean, there are many benefits and it's going to help your soil and all that. But I'd say, uh, you know, there's not a real great chance. So yes, if he wants to try some and, and test it out, and we'd love to hear his results. But, you know, Darren, the first thing you mentioned was nitrogen. Well, you're not going to fix nitrogen by having wheat or rye, I should say. Uh, a lot of people are using rye, annual rye grass, as a cover crop that's going to pull more nitrogen out of the soil than it's going to leave. So anyway, it also depends a lot on where you're at in the country. Where we are at, where we're dry, I don't want a cover crop growing into the spring. In other areas where they're very wet, maybe they want a cover crop growing into the spring. So it it just makes an enormous difference where you are, what crops you're raising, what your rotation is, how early you harvest, so many things that go into it. So, you know, I, I talk about this all the time because I also, to his point, I get tired of hearing, oh, it's all benefit. <laughs> well, there's nothing that's all benefit. We got to look at what what's the downside to this too. There is some cost. And could we possibly hurt our crop next year? Could we possibly uh, invest this money and it doesn't pan out very well? Yeah, it's certainly possible. So that's why, just like everything else, we just encourage you, try it on a smaller scale and work your way up. Almost everybody we've, well, I shouldn't say almost, many people we have talked to here on the radio over the years have said, you know, I learned a lot from year one when I raised cover crops to year five or year 10. So start in a small scale, figure out what works for you and how it can make money for you, because there certainly are enough benefits out there that we absolutely think it's a practice worth looking into. Thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. Got another one from Iowa here. This is from Josh. He said, we've got a soil that has between two and a half and four percent organic matter. And we, we've got a situation where we have soybean stubble going into corn. I heard you talking once about doing tillage like plowing and how it could light a fire and really burn up that organic material for a yep. quick gain. Yep. My family's rented land for many years, and we're in the last year of that rental agreement. <sighs> So we're covered with snow right now. The <laughs> land was fully soaked when it froze up, but we broadcast P and K out there. Would oh. I do more damage than good if I went out with a disc ripper on that bean stubble once it became dry enough to work? Could this additional release of organic material bring a big enough benefit to justify the time and money doing that tillage? Yes, it absolutely could. That's provided that the soil is dry enough to do this. I, I get really worried about deep tillage in the spring just because usually the ground is not going to be fit to that depth to get the tillage done. It's right, barely fit see, a lot of times to plant. We see it fit in the top couple of two, three inches, and guys will kind of glide across the top and stick yeah. seed in. But boy, when we're digging down in there with a plow, oh boy, we, we're going to have to have an awesome spring for that to work out. Now, it could be your last field that you get to, and maybe right. we're 80 degrees for a couple of weeks, and it's yep. your last field, and boom, everything goes great. Right. Uh, the other thing that we didn't factor in here is, is that field erodible? I mean, is it does it have a lot of slope to it? And you you I don't know. I, I get it. You've only got it one year, but also you really make a mess out there. 
other landlords wait, in the wait, area wait. are going to see you, that. You, I, I don't know that you, you want to do that. You, you said you really make a mess. You if meant you if really you, make a mess. If, yes. if you make a mess. Yes, yes, I didn't that, could, that could right. negatively impact your Absolutely. reputation and impact your ability to rent other ground. So you got you to gotta weigh those things out. I, I get it. Most people in your area probably don't think plowing is terrible. Uh, they think, oh, okay, people do that from time to time. And so, yeah, if you did that, we, we do think if soil was fit, you would get a one-year boost. Would it be a good long-term thing? Uh, maybe not. Thanks for the question, though. We really appreciate that, Josh. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions today. Really appreciated that. And thanks to you for listening. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.